Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. And Father Shane, it's actually good to be back with you now. There's been a few episodes. Yes. It's been over a month since we've recorded together. <clears throat> we did. We kind of hit a few of those hard, and then you went off to Seek Conference, and you had some wonderful episodes. Yeah, it was good to catch up with Father Josh Eli, talking about just his own family experiences with a grandfather who was divorced yes. and uh, kind of separated from the sacraments, but reconciled uh, to the church before he died. And then uh, the episode that just went up most recently was with Monsignor James Shea, the president of the University of Mary, talking about uh, the Religion of the Day text that the university has just recently published. I enjoyed listening to both of those. One, it's just fun to catch up with what podcasts are coming out when I'm not there. Sure. But I found I found both of those so helpful. Um, Father Eli, that's right. He was the first yeah, priest. Father Josh Eli, right? Josh Eli, yeah. That was so helpful actually hearing a canon lawyer's perspective mm. on annulments. I think a lot of people have heard about annulments or maybe have experienced them within their family, but to hear about the care that goes in. Mm -hmm. I remember nobody in seminary wants to study canon law. That's kind of the joke, right? It's like mm -hmm. nobody wants to go off. And, but it's beautiful, those men who have the gift they've mm -hmm. made to the to the church. So I was excited about that. And then, oh, Monsignor Shays was wonderful. Um, yeah. People spoke very highly about the the talks he gave at the seat conference, but um I got that book and I was excited to dig into it, but then even more excited when he started explaining it. My favorite part about that was the end when he talked about, you pointed out that it's not just all doom and gloom. There's a word of hope as we mm -hmm. look at the culture and we see, okay, this is where it's at. But I loved, I actually used uh, one of his quotes. It came up, maybe I offered it as kind of a little counsel and confession recently or something like that, but where he said that that assumption will people ask if the church is going to make it. He's like, oh, of course the church is going to make it. The world, as we know it, is falling away. You know, so that was mm -hmm. always helpful to hear. Yeah, it was a great message of hope. And, uh, you know, I don't think Monsignor Shea is a listener to this podcast. He's got a million and one things to do. Uh, but just a, a shout out to him for just taking the time. Um, he and I had agreed to do a, a podcast together before Seek ever began. And then as Seek unfolded, um, unfortunately, Curtis Martin, you know, the great leader of Focus, sure. became you know quite ill that week and never actually made it to seek. And I think Monsignor assumed some of uh, Curtis Martin's speaking ah. duties, so his schedule just got really, really packed. Um, you know, so so bless him for his efforts, and just you know, want to thank him again for making the time uh, to to get together in the midst of the seat conference and. In the midst of a very daunting schedule. So oh, that's great. Yeah. I was yeah. Very happy to, to kind of spread the good the good word through the podcast. It's wonderful. Glad those men came yeah. on. Um yeah. Father Shane, I've been hitting the road again. I kinda hit a uh I hit a, a pause there around the Christmas season. You know, it's like uh -huh. you know, as finals come and as everything else, the vocation director isn't as welcome at schools or there isn't much of a context to come and uh schedules get busy kind of here at home and so but I've Catholic Schools Week. Um is it's upon us. Upon we are us recording, as we're recording in National Catholic Schools. Yeah, week. toward the end of National Catholic Schools Week. So um, hitting it hard with the big giant as you uh, kind of, well, and perhaps inaugurated, maybe brought back the big citywide, kind of Siouxland-wide. Um, yeah, we inaugurated that once we had a facility with a new gym at Healand to hold everybody. So we had Bishop Nicholas there, which was wonderful to uh, welcome him and a number of priests from the area, which was wonderful. And we had the entire 
kind of healing school system and then even greater, a few schools that often feed into our system in our huge gym. Um, and it was wonderful. And we unrolled that large uh, image of Christ. That So <laughs> listeners, um, Father Shane is, is a creative man. And uh, he had made kind of a backdrop for certain liturgies and things like that when they had to take place in the auditorium or the gym. It was quite small. And to do a mass in a huge auditorium, like we are, a huge gym rather, that has a big walk around track and everything. So he made um, somewhere online, I don't know what you know machine was big enough to print this thing, but this <laughs> huge, I mean, how, how long is that thing? It's like 30, 30 feet long or something. It's, it's like 30 feet long and maybe 20 feet high. So we're talking like a, a huge, huge vinyl. Vinyl. Yeah, yeah, kind background. of tarp, but it's a big background with a big, if you know anything about icons, the big Pantocrator or the all-seeing Christ with some mm-hmm. angels around him. But I think the most dramatic part, Father Shane, the most exciting part, we had a group of high school students who were helping us um, kind of fix it too. And I don't know where you found these. Friends, there is an incredible engineering feat out there. They are, imagine a large rubberized version of a bread tie. The little twisty, twisty tie. tie thing yeah. that you I can. Just those at a gr- that was store. that was incredible. Yeah, and they they keep the thing together when it's all rolled up, but then you twist it onto the thing. So I've stated there. We're all we're all talking. We're like, surely there's some other way to do this than just like letting it fall, just kind of unravel. <laughs> we're like, but there's no. It's like you know you're. 20 feet off the ground on this track and we're like you can't guide it down slowly you know sure so we're all just holding it we're like pretty sure it's centered we're like all right three two one and it just unfurled you know it felt like kind of easter morning christ revealed um boom just like that so (laughs) it's a dramatic unveiling it was very dramatic yeah and i was like you know what i'm like this kind of has the 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 vibe of kind of i'm sure like some you know suburban parish somewhere in the u.s kind of did that at some point on like you know the easter vigil and a huge tarp just and was revealed, you know. Well, that's a dramatic way to do it. And you can do it that way. We the first time we actually unrolled it on the ground and then hoisted it up with ropes, and then well, that's it. not fun at all. You know, <laughs> <laughs> who would want to do that? <laughs> we just let have. it fall down. Yeah. You know, Mr. Killjoy in practicality. Uh, that's right. Here. <laughs> and the men were the men who were helping set up the stage. The dads who were there. They all looked up and they said, "That was cool." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, in the midst of Catholic Schools Week, as you know, Father Shane. Uh, it's been wonderful. The vocations director kind of gets invitations often when people are thinking, well, how can we incorporate um, awareness of vocations into Catholic Schools Week? And it's kind of funny. It's kind of first come, first serve. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I ended up um, well driving all the way to Boone um, and helping out with like an evening faith formation with the high school students, middle school, middle school students. Had a wonderful holy hour, little preached moment of adoration, and then some beautiful confessions and the priest came to help with that. And then I drove up to Sheldon uh, to St. Patrick's grade school this morning. Um, and I want to offer uh, an interesting kind of question that came this morning from a, a youngster there in Sheldon. <laughs> They're talking about the priesthood. I was sharing about my life. They're asking some questions. And they, one kid said, well, what do you do as a priest? I'm talking about the sacraments we celebrate. I'm talking about the people we preach to. I'm talking about the, the times of prayer that we have in the midst of a day. And he just looks at me, this is probably like a seventh grade boy, and he just said, but do you chill? Do you, do you, do you chill? I said, uh-huh. I do. I said, I, I, I do. I probably have more friends than you, Guy. Like, I, I do. I do like mm-hmm. to chill. We're going to pause on that. Do you chill question? Mm-hmm. Back it up just one week. Um, I was able to go cover masses up in the Great Lakes of Iowa, Okaboji, um, and I was there in Milford. But it happened to be the Winter Games. Father Shane, mm. if you got to... Uh, Enjoy the I've winter never been to games. the winter games. I've got friends that have been there. Winter I've heard about it for was, years. It was interesting. There's a lot of dangerous things that happen on the frozen lake. Um, yes, but it a was more dangerous of, this year because the ice was thinner this year. Precisely. Yeah, but it was 
it was kind of fun that the the lakes were kind of abuzz in the winter time and the mm-hmm. the masses were a little bit more full with people traveling mm-hmm. um but my friends who were there who live in the area they had invited me to dinner to spend time with them and to hang out and so we we're gonna go to dinner and i mean these restaurants were just jam-packed with all sorts of people wearing their cool you know we I, we looked very out of place without kind of cool you know, bib overall snow pants and the mm-hmm. hats and stuff like that. Sure. We had a good time. And then they asked me to go to um, a concert. They asked me to go to a concert of the Pork Tornadoes. Oh, have you so heard you of chill. them? So I could chill. Have you heard you of the chill Pork, pork Tornadoes? Have you, I have not heard of the Pork Tornadoes. Do tell. Well, when my friend offered that, he said, "Are you?" all he did was text me and said, are you ready for the Pork Tornadoes? <laughs> Some sort of kind of crispy taco came to mind, uh-huh, right? Sure. <laughs> um, the Pork Tornadoes are a cover band that apparently are very well known, okay? Okay. So we went to this concert, and we had a blast. The fun thing about a cover band is that they only play the bops, you know, and you can sing along Everything to all you know. of them. So we're sure. singing along, we're hanging out. Well, there was another couple who came, and they were hanging out with us. And afterward, um, we, we spoke the next morning at Mass. Um, I was at Mass at the same mass, this, this couple who joined us, me and my friends, um, and I'd never met them before, but they're a young couple in the parish as well. And talking to this guy afterwards, and I don't know if he listens or not, but he said there was this interesting experience that he had, having not really chilled, if you will, with a priest mm-hmm. before, the fact that we had just had a really fun time the night before, singing along with all these songs, kind of dancing along at this concert, this cover band, and then he saw me as a priest-vested at the altar the next morning. And he said he was mm-hmm. a little distracted at first saying, no, I'm not going to think about the fun times we had last night. I'm trying to think about the mass that we're celebrating today. But he said afterwards, it made him reflect and realize that he often kind of categorizes priests as almost so different than himself or so kind of, you know, categorized. Well, I only see that guy at church at mass that he kind of realized to himself, oh, I've kind of been treating priests almost like aliens, so different mm-hmm. than me. That there are these men, I see them at Mass, I'm so grateful that they give me the sacraments, that they're instruments of Christ's mercy and his presence in the Eucharist and confession, but I don't recognize them as real men, right, as, as real humans. And he said, that's really helpful, and he might invite me to, you know, onto a, his podcast as well or onto kind of do some videos and to, to lean into this question. But those two comments together, you know, the seventh grade boy saying, but you do a lot of things, but do you chill, you know? Mm-hmm. And then having chilled with this other guy, you know, this experience of sharing my humanity of the priesthood, but watching other people respond to that, right? And Father Shane, as a man in formation right now, you know, helping men be formed to the priesthood, human formation is a big part of that. So mm-hmm. I thought we could just chat for a few minutes here about what that means, that you and I as priests are, in fact, human. You know, and I hope that comes through in our podcast, is that when we share about our lives together and we share different ideas, right? We're not just robots, right? We're not just mm-hmm. kind of brought to seminary and put through kind of a priest cookie cutter and are slapped mm-hmm. the Roman collar on and we pop out and we celebrate the sacraments, but we do so through our own humanity, right? And the invitation in seminary, as I was talking to the kids today in the school, is that you're configured to Christ as priest, Christ as fully man, but also that you're living out of your own humanity as you're celebrating the sacraments, that you're living your life as a priest. Mm-hmm. What I think, what I'd like to kind of share with the audience today is that if we can understand that priests are human in their brokenness and in their redeemed, right, adopted sonship through baptism and through the sacramental life, that all Christians can actually encounter Christ through their humanity 
And it's not like we check our humanity at the door when we have a relationship with God, but God actually became man. He became human. He took on our human nature. He redeemed our human nature, but that every aspect of our lives when we're <laughs> working or, you know, chilling, if you will, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, can, can all of that can be um, an opportunity of encounter with God. Yeah, well said. So obviously the, the topic that you bring up here was in the context of the priesthood and this man that you were at the concert with, you know, go pork tornadoes. That's right. They they obvious, they see you, you know, in the context of priesthood. I mean, this is kind of a priestly question, but I think it could be easily expanded. And I would start by saying there's a tension, and there's probably a healthy tension. There's probably a lot of people who want to say, I don't want to see my priest at a concert. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see my priest out playing pickleball or ultimate frisbee. I don't want to see my priest out at the bars. I want to hold him up on a pedestal and I want him to be holy and I want him to always be communing with God. And hopefully he's levitating through the night in his parish, you know, chapel, uh, praying for my soul and the salvation of all souls and the redemption of our parish and, and its longevity and whatnot. Um, so I, I do think that there's there could be a natural movement towards people to want some separation because I think we actually do uh, crave like holy figures to put up on a pedestal right. who could be inspirations for us, right? And at the same time, there's also that rub, that tension that says, I want my priest to actually be very close to me. I, I want to, to understand his humanity. I want him to understand my humanity. I want to have a very close connection with him uh, so that as I understand the movements of his heart and he understands the movement of my heart, you know, real spiritual guidance can unfold and that I feel that the faith that we're talking about is not just pie in the sky and that what he's preaching actually impacts my life and he gets my life and that impacts his preaching. Um, But also I understand his life better and the context of what it means for him to lead by an example and for him to be in the midst of the flock, Mm -hmm. right? So I I think that there is a healthy tension there of, you know, wanting healthy role models who are leading us towards holiness. And that could be not just priests, that could be religious, that could be other holy lay people, Um, but also just wanting that familiarity and that comfort and that that incarnate embrace, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that tension is automatically there. And and what this young adult was experiencing after, after you talked to him following Sunday Mass, following the, the Pork Tornadoes concert, probably was that tension in his heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not a bad tension, right? Yeah, I was just going to say that. And I wanted you to finish, but just like, I need that. I need mm-hmm. to be called on to something higher. And I need somebody to sort of, just as God does this for me in prayer, that that parishioners or other people, other Christians would actually like give me my identity back to myself. Mm-hmm. They call me father for a reason. They call us father for a reason, right? We call our father's father for a reason. We kind of give that identity back to them. Yeah, mm-hmm. please go ahead if you're going to have any other thoughts. Well, there. I was just going to say also, but this cuts both ways. I mean, obviously we are ordained ministers. We are ordained in persona Christi Capitis, in the person of Christ the head, and we are called to lead the flock and stand at the altar and offer the sacrifice of the Holy Eucharist to to preach the gospel and to administer all the sacraments for the people of God. Um, that is a noble mission, but it's also a very humbling mission, right? Mm-hmm. To actually exercise the authority of Jesus and his sacramental power for the good of, of the good of the world, the good of the church, the salvation of souls. All of that's very humble, but it cuts both ways. Because, Father, you could have easily hung out with these couples at the concert 
and hung out with them, told stories, have fun, enjoy the music, sing along, do some dancing, see their humanity, but then also witness them having quiet moments of prayer, mm-hmm. having them give mm-hmm. witness of the faith to their children, seeing the literal transmission of the faith occurring in their family household as one generation to the next you know, is catechized and evangelized. Um, seeing the the grace of virtue in how a married couple interacts with one another and seeing real holiness unfold there. Um, You could easily put them up on a pedestal and say, look at this holy couple. They inspire me. They they motivate me. They want me to be a better servant of the people of God uh, because of what they're striving for and the the virtue that they have embodied so deeply. Uh, So I I do think it cuts both, both ways as the, as the vocations, um, nurture one another and support one another in this kind of this tapestry of how holiness uh, is expressed throughout the human race. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Two things come to mind. One, when I have that feeling of it cutting both ways, um, we were talking about the seat conference and focus as a mission itself, but there's focus missionaries. I remember in college seminary having a very idealized notion of a focus missionary. I was in mm-hmm. college seminary. We're studying liberal arts. We're studying philosophy. We had opportunities of apostolic work, but when you'd see a friend, maybe a couple years ahead of you, who you knew, who was in college, who was also living the same life as you, growing in the same faith as you, actually doing active ministry, right, with young people, it was so attractive, right? And it was very easy to idealize that. Remember the first time I encountered a focused missionary, like, not firing on all cylinders, right, and having just not a great day, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, we were doing some kind of collaborative ministry, kind of some walk around campus and stuff. And I just thought like, well, this guy's kind of a dud, right? And then I, mm-hmm. then I immediately remembered and thought, well, yeah, so, so are most of us most days here in the seminary. Cause like I've been living that for a few years where in the seminary, a lot of lay people would idealize us or mm-hmm. you know, young people, especially and then likewise in the priesthood. And I knew that about ourselves of like, oh yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, we're nothing, we're nothing special. You know, like mm-hmm. we struggle ourselves. It was really helpful to see the humanity come about of this focus missionary. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was just having a bad day or maybe he's, you know, struggling with like reaching out in, in his own capacity and coming to terms with his own humanity and, you know, um, being a social person. If he was a little bit more introverted to go out and encounter people. And I didn't get to see him in his other, you know, places where he probably had a lot of strengths, you know, but it was helpful because it, it helped me realize, Oh wait, he's living the same humanity I'm living, but he's encountering the same Christ as I'm encountering, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, he he needs his humanity to be redeemed just like I need my humanity to be redeemed. Okay, mm-hmm. wonderful, you know? It's the same way with the saints, I think. Uh, we do two things with the saints sometimes. We either put them on a pedestal and say, well, that's like some sort of crazy hagiography, their story. I would never live something like that, right? Mm-hmm. I would never be holy like St. Francis is holy. He's just way too um, on the next level, you know, like mm-hmm. you just said, like levitating in a chapel somewhere. That's mm-hmm. way too far off, right? Or we look at the Blessed Virgin. I remember in my Mariology class, Dr. Feingold pointed out that a lot of people will struggle with certain Marian doctrines or dogmas, and they'll say, well, that doesn't make sense because then I couldn't relate to her as a woman, right? Or I can't relate to her as a mother. And he'd say, right, because she gave birth to God. <laughs> like, she's unique in her mm-hmm. in her in her role in salvation history, but that doesn't mean that we don't have all of the other saints, right? And all of the other unnamed saints who we celebrate on all saints day, whose lives are very much like ours, right? Who struggled with their own weakness, who took advantage of the sacramental life of the church, who allowed Mm -hmm. Christ to change them and affect them right daily at the level of their humanity, right? And who met God 
you know, who was meeting them in his, in mm-hmm. his humanity. Yeah, so it's just very helpful for us to see that the Christian life isn't just for like the sort of spiritually elite. And it's not that the spiritual elite are like these robots who just kind of, you know, pump out prayers every day. Mm-hmm. But actually, those of us who we come to terms with our own humanity, the good parts, the broken parts, the parts that are like, you know, being healed and being redeemed, and we invite Christ, we invite him to come and meet us there and change us, right? And then we actually, mm-hmm. and then through the priesthood, but then also through the lay vocations, we allow him to work through us and we become channels. Our humanity becomes as in priestly seminary, we'd say, or in priestly formation, we'd say bridges, not barriers, you know, to God's mm-hmm. presence in the world. Yeah, I think it goes both ways. You know, you're speaking about this quest for holiness here. I think those who are striving after holiness are always trying to transcend this world and seek that which is above, as Paul says in Colossians 3. And at the same time, true holiness is always taking us more deeply into the world to actually enjoy things with good recreation, to have healthy and holy uh, relationships, to be well integrated into the depths of the interior life. Uh, it, it's, it's going in both directions. It's helping us ascend with our souls, minds, and hearts to heaven, but also being deeply integrated here on earth. That's certainly true for priests, uh, and it, it really ought to be true for every vocation out there, to be able to, to seek nothing else but God above and to still chill here in a holy, healthy way by going very deeply into the realities in front of us in each of our lives. Well, thanks for that Good synthesis, comments. Father Shane. Yeah, and we, I just think we should all just try to lean into our humanity where God meets us. God bless everybody, and just why don't we chill? Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.